0: the Lord, share stories how the Lord has blessed us and praise His name and what He's doing and what He wants to do. And the last, um, the Holy Spirit is still um, speaking. I can bear testimony to that. You know, sometimes I don't recognize what He's saying. And we need to take time to ponder and to think. And we're told in the New Testament to, when we gather together, that everybody brings something. And um, so what have you brought this morning? What do you have on your heart? Maybe you need to be prayed for. You know, I had to think, I've been pondering that too, how... We want discernment. We want to know what's happening. And we can pray for that. We can ask God. And then sometimes things come because God knows exactly what's going on. And He can bring things to light that we never thought of before. So maybe that can happen. So what's on your heart? We'll open it up. So that everyone can hear, because the air conditioner is running. Um, we'll have Judson has a mic there. So if you have something to share, put up your hand and ask for a mic so that we can all hear. <clears throat> Go ahead, Laura. So. you for, your for my family and my dad. So, he, said, he said hi to everybody. Okay, thank you. Tell him hi back. I will. Okay. Oh and I wanted to say too we're um, we'd like to do this more often. Maybe maybe at least once a month. And um <coughs>
1: I was just blessed by the boys reading this morning The Wade said, I will bless the Lord and the congregation. And Mm -hmm. then Javon was saying, oh, in Ephesians, but God. You know, just Hmm. those two words just bless me so much, you know, and all our trials and joys Mm -hmm. and fires, like, but God, you know, he's just the answer really for everything and in everything and when we abide in him yeah we truly can have uh, rejoice in the trials even though of course they're difficult but it's just such a nice place to be and it's all him you know in us and yeah just he's so good we wouldn't take another breath without him and but yeah, Carol was saying that, bless me, just when, I, when she wakes up, you know, if we're here, then he has something for us to do, and hmm. we can have confidence in that, and trust him, and rest that he'll show us the way and how to order our day. And anyway, thank you.
2: The Sunday School lesson this morning was uh, such a blessing and a challenge to me, um, just living in Christ, Um, but one thing that stood out to me is uh, talking about the fruits of righteousness. Are my fruits fruits of righteousness, and are are they stemming from, are my fruits stemming from a desire to praise God and to give Him glory, or is it for my own selfish reasons? Um, I really had to you know check my life to to make sure that that my motives are pure and um in some cases they're not and um and I need to work on that. I had to think about Dave was talking about an apple and um you know planting something else and expecting an apple. I was thinking about an apple also as um you walk up to an apple tree and and you see this nice bright shiny apple and um... you grab it and immediately take a bite out of it and here on the bottom side of it it had a wormhole Um, that's what our fruit is like if it's not stemming from the true vine if it's not stemming from a desire to see god and eventually that worm is going to destroy that apple and same thing with us if our if the fruit we're producing isn't, isn't pure and from a pure source, eventually it's going to be spoiled. Um, the part of that analogy that doesn't fit and it's good it doesn't is once an apple has a wormhole and it's done. Um, but God's grace is there for us. His um, forgiveness, um, we can change and he can make us whole and pure again. I'm
3: saying things that I think and I had been writing this down the other day and so it's kind of and then this morning the Sunday school lesson just exactly what I had been thinking and writing and the other day it was just our young employee and I working together and we were talking about church and et cetera. He was telling me about his stepbrother, who is an atheist, and how he has almost convinced him to go to church with him, but his stepbrother said he doesn't like to be around Christians because they act all good on Sunday, but act no different than him the rest of the week. Drugs, alcohol, sleeping around, etc. He said they have nothing to offer me. I've commented to our worker that these people have religion, but not Jesus. Sadly, they are way... Sadly, there are way more young people and older ones who are saying the same things in churches all across America. They come searching and find only dead religion and no Jesus, and they leave discouraged and disheartened. This has gotten me thinking about my own life and religion and Jesus. Obviously, I'm not out drinking, smoking, or living adulterously, but what in less obvious ways have I shown religion but not Jesus? I can talk kind but do I show Jesus? I can say the right things, but do I show Jesus? When when I'm going through hard times, what shows, Jesus or religion? When the good times are rolling, what shines brighter, Jesus or religion? If it's truly Jesus in my life, my very actions will be filled with kindness, graciousness, forgiveness, forbearance, and meekness. As I'm growing more and more, Of my DNA will be made up of Jesus, but if it's just religion I will be offended at rebuke, have unkindness, my words ugly, and my actions a show of unforgiving bitterness. (coughs) I like to say I'm sorry for the times in my life where religion was evident but not Jesus, and especially to young people. Jesus and I have walked some dark roads together and I'm so glad he's never let go of me. In the dark of night gently nudging me towards more truth than him. Every day I feel unworthy. (coughs) <coughs> but so very thankful for his love in my life. And it's my prayer that not a fake religious Jesus be shown, but the real Jesus be seen in my every, day, every thought and action. And then the Sunday school verse. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me.
4: I've been thinking the last number of days about God's faithfulness and I was looking in the book of Lamentations where probably the most familiar verse about God's great faithfulness is and in the first couple of chapters Jeremiah is lamenting the misery of Jerusalem and of his people and then in the beginning of chapter 3 he says that even the Lord has set him in a dark place, as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chain heavy. Also when I cry and shout, he shouteth out my prayer. And then just a little later he says, So the Lord's mercies, they were not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul therefore will i hope in him and in the in the midst of difficulty and misery and uh, consuming grief god is faithful his mercies are new and they it's of his mercies that we're not consumed because he's a compassionate god his compassions don't fail and uh, i was just um, thinking about the the rich blessings that we have in christ and just the anchor in life amidst the tumultuous circumstances that might befall us, we have an anchor that keeps us. And it's, it's God's mercy and his faithfulness. If it weren't for his mercy, all of us would go astray and fall by the wayside. But in his mercy, he draws us again to himself and in his faithfulness. And uh, it's just a, it was an encouragement to my heart to be reminded of those things as I was thinking about that here the last few days. And truly great is his faithfulness.
0: 417. Good song. <clears throat> I was um, previewing the book, um, The Cross and the Switchblade. I hadn't read it probably since I was in my 20s. How many have read that book, Cross and the Switchblade? Most of you have. As I read that, um, I was reminded of how what started well yeah i don't think what started the journey david walkerson is even written in the book but in the book in his story do you remember what he said he was challenged with um, first he was pastoring in a small farming community and felt like god told him to do something what was that Get rid of his TV, yeah. And um, has God ever told me to do something like that and I haven't done it? You know, we look back on his story and say, you know what, if he hadn't taken that first step, what would have happened? You know, we don't know. But if you haven't read the book, read the book. Um, It's challenging. But he took that time instead of watching TV. You know, he felt like he deserved it. And I think I've done that. You know, I'm tired. I'll just scroll through social media, just kind of check out. I worked hard today. I'll just relax. And that's exactly what he said. This was 1958. They didn't have cell phones. But he had a TV, and he was the only one in his family that watched TV. He was, you know, young, married, had a baby or two, and and his wife didn't have time for the TV, and he's pastoring, and he'd relax that's the way he'd relax. Every evening he'd sit there and watch TV. And he felt like the Lord saying, take that time and pray. And it became a habit for him where he would pray from midnight till 2 a.m. every day. Every day, midnight to 2 a.m. And the one time he was pacing the office and he had a Was it Time magazine or Life? It was some magazine. Kept grabbing his attention. And he said, this is my prayer time. I'm not going to pick up this magazine. But he felt like he was supposed to. So he finally picked it up. And there's a drawing in there, an artist sketch of the seven boys in New York that were on trial for murder. And it grabbed his attention. He couldn't get rid of that. Um, felt drawn. He never, doesn't sound like he ever got to see um, to talk with those boys. He ended up making it into the courtroom. But that was the beginning of his journey of going to New York City. And on one of the trips, he was, that one of the first trips, he was looking for uh, to be able to talk to them. And the district attorney told him if you get signatures from each of the parents, then I think we can work it out. You can go get into prison and talk to these boys. And <clears throat> so they left. He didn't know his way around the town. They're driving in a circle around Central Park. Finally realized it's a circle. Well, we need to get off this circle, you know, we're not going anywhere. Got off into the Spanish section, I think it was, and just all of a sudden felt stop right now and he told his youth pastor that was with him he said "Um, we're supposed to park find a parking spot and so he got out and started walking he said i don't know why i'm here or what i'm supposed to be looking for but he met a little boy and asked him do you know where lewis i don't remember his last name alvarez or something do you know where he lives the boy looked at him and he said is that your car over there He said, yeah, that's my car. He said, you parked in front of his house. The Holy Spirit had led them right to the place they needed to be. And he went up there and talked to um, ended up meeting Lewis's father who was sitting at the kitchen table praying through the rosary beads. And he well, here, everybody recognized him. There's another part of the story. When he went to the the, the um, trial, he wanted to talk to the judge to get permission to talk to these boys. And here the hearing's over and the judge is leaving. And he just kind of impetuously jumps up and walks down the aisle and calls out, it was a Judge um, Davidson, um, can, can we talk? Well, you don't do that in a courtroom. And there's, there's death threats on this judge. And so he gets shut down immediately and hauled out and hand it over to the cops. And of course this gets plastered all over the newspapers. And, and his um, youth pastor that was with him was just like, let's just go home. You know, he's embarrassed. But what it did is everybody recognized him. And so when he walked in, um, Lewis's dad said, Preacher Davy. They all called him Preacher Davy. And um, he knew who he was. He said, I've been praying that you would come. And so he ended up, one of the boys in the neighborhood took him around. He got all the all the signatures he needed, but he, it still didn't work out. Finally, he had to lay that down. And so, you know, sometimes the things that are on our hearts, we think that we know what God's going to do, but God is using that to propel us into what he wants us to be doing. And um, so I read through the first half of the book and then kind of breezed through the rest of it and um, to get it done. But it's It's quite a challenging um, story. Am I willing to, um, what would I be willing to give? You know, if the Lord lays something on my heart and keeps laying it, keeps convicting me of something, am I willing to say yes? Because God is, the Holy Spirit will lead us into um, work for the kingdom and he will make a way and we look back you know it was 1958 so we say what was that 65 years ago you know and um some of the stories as we were singing here and can it be that i should gain some of the stories he told of the young people that came to the lord took a stand and some of the other gang members that you know they're desperate for drugs um, ended up, you know, stabbing them because they wouldn't go along with them anymore. And, um, <clears throat> but transformed. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. In the, in the book, he tells the testimonies that um, some of these young people, instantaneously, the chains fell off. That's our God. The gospel is transforming. It's not something that I need to um, labor under defeat for years and years. And so if I am bound by something that I don't know what it is, I can pray. God's greater than any of these things that can hold me. And I mean, I felt like I prayed this past week. I said, Lord, I want more freedom. I want more freedom in prayer. And I think maybe in prayer there's, because the enemy knows the power, it can be a spiritual battle. So I realize that. But sometimes what I'm wondering about myself, is it a spiritual battle or is it my own... Um, something in my makeup you know my own something that's holding me back but our chains can fall off transform that was a good song 672 672 thoughts as we sang that song.
5: Recently, I've been thinking about the Christian life in war terms. And it made me think of this verse in Second Timothy 2, these two verses. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him. Amen. And that kind of goes with the song, that last phrase, we now are all resigned. If you signed up for the Army, like let's just say the U.S. Army, you would have to leave things behind. You couldn't, you know, take your nice mattress or your headphones or your Minecraft game. I mean, what are the things of this world? And we really, when we sign up as a soldier, we also resign to something else.
4: We defect from from one army to the other.
0: Yep. Yep. That's the phrase that kept coming and standing out to me, too was we now are all resigned. What'd you say, 523? (laughs) Hmm. What was that? 615. 6.15? There's one phrase in here I was looking for in Fight the Good Fight. Um, thou art dear. What oh, is in the last verse? He changeth not, and thou art dear. Kind of bringing the two thoughts together of God's unchangeableness and truth and then relationship. Do we all believe that we are dear to God? I don't know, as a man, I don't often think of that. But I need to, as a son of God. Sorry, I forgot that number again. 615, okay, thank you. It fits with this, behold the wondrous love (laughs)
6: no soul, behold.
0: is... in closing here up here Judson for Marlon
7: I just appreciated all the thoughts that were shared and as I listened to this and I was I was thinking okay what is God really trying to tell us and um, what what is really what is really at work here and I thought about this verse in, in John 8, verse 47. He says, the first part of it, he says, He that is of God heareth God's words. And Jesus had been, it was a discourse with the Pharisees there. Um, and he had some harsh words for them uh, there just prior to this verse. Um, but as I thought about hearing God's words, I was like, You know, I'm not sure why God had prompted me to say this, but if there's bondage somewhere, uh there is freedom to be had um whatever that is in our lives and our hearts um dave and i were actually talking about it a little bit this morning he, he made the comment as a church we have the power to take control of a spirit that that is wrong in our lives in the, in the, and i thought about that quite a bit i was thinking about that through sunday school Uh, And I think that's so true. I think the church has that power and authority to take to take uh, a spirit like that into control. So if if there's bondage in our hearts um, or a place where we're not finding freedom, I think there is freedom to be had.
0: You know, and I think what I've done so often is like, well, I need to do better and some of these there are strongholds and there are evil spirits that can hold us and it's not about doing better (laughs) one thing is you can't counsel away a spirit they don't leave just with us trying to do better or trying to counsel it away it's by taking authority